Good morning, everyone. This is Donna Tyson. Thank you all so much for your patience this morning. It is such a privilege to be here on Hear Women Talk with Zeus Radio for our Rivers of Faith program. It has been one of those mornings where everything that could go wrong technically has gone wrong. And, you know, I'm just at that stage where I'm going, thank you, God, that you let this come up, even if it's a few minutes late. And if this is the worst thing that happens today, we got a good day going. So I want to thank you all for your patience. I want to thank my guests for her patience. And we're going to make this a wonderful, wonderful program for the remaining 45 minutes. My guest today here on Rivers of Faith is Lisa Ramaker, a successful real estate agent here in the Fredericksburg area who has quite a story of restoration of her life and how a program called Celebrate Recovery helped her to find her hope and healing. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Donna. Thanks for having me. Oh, so glad to have you here. And I apologize again for my technical difficulties on my um, computer. I'm here at Joseph Beth Booksellers, and we had plugged the computer in and then all of a sudden lost our capacities. And we've had two of their IT techs here working with me, and I'm just so grateful that we've got you now. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad. I'm excited that I got up and running. Like you said, if that's the worst thing that happens today, then we're on a good, we're we're on the right foot. Don't you know it? And sometimes those tests really do come to remind us that when you can't be in control, you can always control the way you respond and have a heart of gratitude. So, Lisa, with that, I want to come to you and ask you to give me a brief summary of uh, your life story, and then we'll go back and touch on some of the more important parts of it. Sure, sure. Well, Donna, I'm so thankful um, for this opportunity to basically share my testimony with you on your radio show this morning and most of all to just show the hope and the healing that can come when you have a relationship with the Lord um, and what Celebrate Recovery has done in my life. But as you know, as I've shared my story with you before, I was born in uh, Long Island, New York, and I was born to um, fairly difficult circumstances, parents who were um, under the um, influence of alcohol and drugs. And so being born in an environment like that where typically your daily life is out of control, I grew up without a solid sense of purpose. I grew up without a solid sense of that I had value. And um, basically, I guess you could say I, I had a survival mentality. I had to survive. Great. Well, Lisa, when you talk about a dysfunctional family there, you said that your parents were alcohol and drug users and um, that at four years old, your dad went to prison. Tell me about that. He did. My father was, um, he likes to call himself um, a product of the the 60s and 70s of the hippie generation where he just (laughs) started to have a party one day and the party just never ended. Um, and he's just a sweet guy. He's a really good man. Our relationship is restored today. But back then, he just could not stop using drugs. It was just something that he couldn't stop doing. And he, um, back when I was around four years old, he was arrested for robbing a pharmacy, and um, and he went to prison. So he was in prison for about 12 years of my childhood. And that's got to be hard as a child when you love your father, you know he's a good person, and um, and you're having to, to deal with him being in prison. Were you allowed to go visit him? We were. His parents, my grandparents, would come pick us up, and sometimes periodically while my mother and my father were still married, um, we would go up and visit him when they had family days 
um, where, where your family was allowed to come up. And, and I remember those days vividly. I have few memories of my childhood, but some of those memories of visiting him were my fondest ones. My father was a believer. He did love the Lord. He had a relationship with Jesus, and he actually converted my mother to Christianity. So having him leave was a, was a real turning point in our lives. Wow. Um, now let's talk about what happened with your mom. You had quite a few siblings at that time, right? Yes, before my mother met my father, she already had two of uh, my brother and my sister from previous marriage, and um, and then she had myself and two younger sisters. So my mother had five children when my father went away. Was she working? She was not working. Um, she was very young when she started having children and um, depended solely on my father for his um, for taking care of us financially. Okay. Now, during that time frame, uh, she stayed at home and... and took care of the five kids, but she also had a drug and alcohol problem, right? She did. She was um, very much depressed. She was very much um, feeling hopeless. She had no support on her family. Her family didn't support us at all, and and so she uh, turned to church. She went to church. Like I said, she had been converted from being, she was born Jewish. Um, she converted to Christianity. So she went to a church on Long Island where she found support and love from a pastor there, and um, began to put her life together, the broken pieces. Um, and as you, you've read in my story, she met a woman there, and that woman invited us to move into her home, um, and she would help take care of us. And I think you said you were nine years old? Uh, I was, was actually about six years old when we moved okay. in with, uh, with our, with our um, adoptive family. Okay, and I know you hesitated at that point because that wasn't the healthiest of relationships. Tell me what that turned out to be. It wasn't. Of course, I was too young to understand the dynamics of the relationship, but we did. Um, we knew this woman to be my mother's friend, and um, it later turned into a love relationship, and my mother um, and this woman were together in a lesbian relationship for about 12 years. So from okay. the age of about six years old until I was 17, that was I had two mothers. And now you said that it was very well known in the community and that you have a dad in prison and now you're dealing as a child of a lesbian relationship. What was that like? Donna, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> I, I can't even describe to you um, what it's like to be an outcast in society. I can describe it. I'm going to try to describe it. But being an outcast is what it felt like. Um, not being allowed to come play in the in the neighboring kids' houses, um, being looked at, being laughed at. Um, school teachers even would um, would degrade us. I remember, you know, being ashamed. I just remember always being ashamed, always knowing that there was something wrong with me, that that I wasn't accepted, that I didn't belong. Okay. Now, do you think that that was? Do you think that you can be raised in a lesbian relationship and be healthy psychologically, or do you think that it was a culmination of the drugs and the alcohol and the father in prison um, and that confusing situation? Well, I think that um, growing up in that environment, my mother, uh, being an alcoholic, would actually remove herself for days at a time. She would be on a binge. Um, and this other woman would be our mother. Um, I remember a time when we, one of, I think it was me that was sick at school and, and the woman had to come get me. And at that point, the school didn't even know the difference between whether she was my mother or my mother was my mother. So mm -hmm. she took over my mother's 
job, so to speak, and made sure that we went to school and doctor's appointments, things like that, where my mother sunk into a very, very deep depression, and um, marijuana was her drug of choice as well as uh, vodka. Mm-hmm. Now, growing up in an environment with two women, I, I don't think um, necessarily that, you know, that if we were protected from some of the violence that comes with being in an environment like that, drugs and alcohol cre- just creates environments where people are invited into the home that are, that are not healthy people. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were uh, around things, we saw things that, that, you know, children shouldn't see. So I think the, the combination of being in a socially unacceptable environment at the time of being, being raised by two women, as well as the alcohol and the drugs, just created um, sort of the perfect storm as a childhood. So um, we didn't have love modeled to us in a healthy way. We didn't have um, the normal, what, you would, what I would consider normal childhood, where we, we had um, healthy relationships modeled for us. We were always sort of just surviving, had to take what we could get when it was available. You say um, in your story you did a great job of sending me bullets of your story so that we could follow this chronologically, but that when you were nine years old, there was a life-changing event that happened to you that really reinforced that you had no value and nobody there to help you. Yes, Donna, thank you. That's true. Um, being Growing up on the street I grew up in, I wanted to point out that there was a Lutheran church on the corner, and um, we would have to go to church every Sunday. And so I always lived with this confusion about that God existed, but why, if God existed, were bad things happening to me in my home? And why, why was our life um, so shameful, and why was it such a secret? Um, but I did have one, one shining star in my life. I had a best friend. Her name was Jennifer. Um, unfortunately, her mother was an alcoholic as well, and they were going through an ugly divorce. And so we were um, allowed to play with each other, and we were just best friends. And I, I wasn't sleeping over her house. She was sleeping over my house. And when I was nine years old, I woke up one evening around 3 o'clock in the morning to blue and red light shining on my wall in my bedroom. And when I looked out the window, her house was up in flames. So when I ran out there, um, reality was that, that her and her entire family had just died inside the home. Her mother fell asleep drunk on the couch with a cigarette and the house burned down. Wow. At that moment, Donna, I just, the realization that reality hit, that, that I just believed that, yes, God was real, but that I did not matter to him. If he would take away the only person that meant anything to me, my only friend, then I didn't want anything to do with that God. And so at that moment, I decided that I was the only one I could trust and I would take care of myself. And you know, Lisa, I, I want to stop here at this point for a moment because we are seeing so many suicides of young people in our culture right now. What do you recommend that a loving parent would say to a child who questions God's presence if a friend uh, takes their own life or is somehow killed in a traffic accident or a horrible fire like you experienced? What would you recommend that a parent say to ease those fears of that child? Well, that's an interesting question. I think that I would approach it maybe with my own 14-year-old and then just, just share with him, you know, you know, this, this whole idea of who God is, it just seems so big for, for a child. And when somebody loses someone that's, that's, that is that important to them, I think you would take a moment to step back and say, you know, um, bad things happen to good people. We live in a world where bad things do happen, and we can't control everything that happens to the people around us. What we can control is is opening ourselves up to be honest with either your parent or someone that you love and trust and sharing with them how you feel, allowing somebody to um, to speak truth into those kids' lives, 
I share with my son all the time that, you know, life hurts. Life isn't easy, not even for people who grow up in the easiest of circumstances. And communication is so important, Open, an open wave of communication, being able to say, listen, I'm not here to judge you. I love you. I care about you. I want to know what you're thinking. I'm sorry that your, um, your friend took their lives, but I want to answer these questions for you because God loves you. He loves you. He created you. He knew you before you were born. He has a plan for your life, and things may get messy, but I'm here to help you. I'm, you're not going to have to walk alone. That's wonderful. And to remember that whatever you are experiencing at that moment, um, it isn't the end of the story. It is a tool in a bigger picture. It is just one part of a bigger picture. And if you can somehow sit back and wait on God to put the pieces together, sometimes the things that seem the most tragic have a result that can be positive. Absolutely. God creates um, beauty out of ashes. I believe that. Oh, I do too. Now, in your um, bio, Lisa, you talk about feeling like you were trash. Um, there were quite a few beatings going on in the home, and you talked about as a young girl um, the different feelings that you had of when your mother would beat you versus when this other woman would beat you. And talk to me about that for a moment. Well, growing up in, the, in this home that we grew up in, um, we were told daily that it was not our home, that we were not welcome there, that um, our mother was trash, and that our father being in prison was just an example of what kind of trash we were. So I remember being told and taunted um, and beaten almost daily in the home that we grew up in and by this woman who would beat us, and um, we had to work. We were slaves, literally slaves. <coughs> Excuse me, the food was segregated. We were only allowed to eat the food. That was our food that we got through food stamps. And um, I remember having to sit through um, hours of picking through uh, dry pasta as we picked, <clears throat> you know, gnats and some bugs out of that and, and not being able to bathe and not being able to wash our clothes and not being worthy enough to go buy new clothes at the start of each school year. So childhood was just so difficult inside that environment of already being told, you're not good enough, you are trash. And then under wondering every day why my father wasn't coming back for us. Why didn't he love us? Why didn't God love us? We would sit in Sunday school and listen to the preacher talk about how God loves you. And in Sunday school, we would um, learn all about Jesus and who Jesus was. But I knew that he didn't love me. And then my mother, um, who I loved more than anything, and just kept praying that she would come out of her drunken stupor and save us and take us out of this environment. When she would come out periodically, she would come out in a rage, and if she wasn't fighting physically and screaming with the uh, woman who was raising us, then she would come after us um, if we made too much noise or if we woke her up or if we were constantly being nagged at by the woman who was raising us. She would come out, and um, she just had this deranged look in her eyes, and I'll never forget the look that she would beat me with a belt, one of her leather belts, and she would just beat me and beat me, and the hatred that was there, and, and she didn't even see me. And I think that was the hardest thing to swallow, is just having my mother um, look at me with such a deranged hatred and just beat me. And it was, it, it, it was the scariest and hardest thing, Donna, that I had to go through as a child because it's my own mother. But at the same time, it also made my exterior and my heart even harder because I Absolutely. knew that I, couldn't, I could not trust her. And so I built up my walls against her, and she was no longer somebody that I could count on. 
And Lisa, the beautiful part of this is that that is not the end of the story. These are just components that brought you to a place where you knew that you had to find out if God was real. And we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back in two minutes with Lisa Ramaker and the rest of this story. My name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Deb Coletti, and I am your host of Life on Purpose, a radio show where I'll be having conversations with a wide range of fascinating women who are, in my opinion, leading a truly rich life. We will laugh, we will cry, we will sometimes get very serious. It will get edgy. It will definitely be irreverent and uh, no, no subject off limits. Tune in to hear where we go and even join in the conversation. Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on the Hear Women Talk Network. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get Wild with Wildlife, explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa. Featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio, Hear Women Talk program. We have a wonderful guest on today, Miss Lisa Ramaker, talking about her issues of growing up in an abusive uh, childhood home. She uh, has shared with us that she was raised in a family that had drugs and alcohol and many, many beatings, a dad who went to prison, a mom who went into a lesbian relationship, and uh, with a woman who was not healthy and who abused the children physically and mentally, how when she 
trusted that God had given her a friend to help her get through it, then this nine-year-old friend was killed in a fire, and Lisa began to question if God really existed. And Lisa, that is just so hard for me to put myself into that situation as a young child, because you have to believe there's no way out. That's true, Donna. That is very true. I did believe there was no way out and um, and just didn't understand why why I was here. Um, you know, taking my life was certainly something that was always on my mind, that if I just wasn't here anymore, would it really matter? Would anybody have noticed that I, that I ever existed? Right. And at 13 years old, you were allowed to go on a summer visit to New Mexico to visit an aunt and uncle, and you thought that might be the turning point, that this was a place where you were going to be in a family of love and be able to breathe. But that's not what happened. Tell me about that. I did, yes. When I was 13 years old, it was sort of a treat. When we turned 13, we were allowed to go to New Mexico and spend the summer with our aunt and our uncle because they were unable to conceive children. And so um, we, I flew out there with high expectations of having a mom and a dad for a summer and that nobody there knew my story, knew my family's secret. Mm-hmm. Um, and my aunt and uncle were also believers. They believed in the Lord. <clears throat> they had a music ministry, and they also owned their own company. So I was excited to stay for the summer with um, people who I thought were going to love me and um, and that I wasn't going to experience any abuse while I was there. Well, so, and what happened? Well, my uncle um, took me for a motorcycle ride up a mountain in New Mexico, and we had a good time, you know, driving up the mountain. And when we got there, he began to rub my back and um, to tell me how beautiful I was. And Donna, I remember feeling for the first time, somebody loves me. This is love. And I loved it. I I loved the feeling of somebody telling me that he loved me and that I mattered. And um, he told me that I was beautiful and that God created me to... um, to provide pleasure to men like him and um, and that he wanted to show me why I was created. And, you know, although I was uncomfortable with the idea that I needed to show him pleasure, I was very comfortable with somebody finally loving me. I had not experienced um, love before, and so he's telling me he loved me, and I liked it, and I wanted more of it. So, At 13 years old, you're now involved in a sexual relationship with a married man who is an uncle. And because it was the first time somebody made you feel like you were accepted. That, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, and it was it was challenging because he would tell me, you know, um, Aunt Gail, that was her name, she loves you too, but, you know, she, she doesn't do these things like she's supposed to do for me. Um, she doesn't want to, so I need you to do these things for me. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a whole new exploration for you of sex. Started at 13 years old, and you continued sexual relationships throughout your teen years, but with some consequences. So let's talk about that. Certainly. Donna, my confusion was so big when I flew. I remember midpoint summer with my uncle knowing something was wrong because he wasn't willing to um, talk about it out in the open. It was always behind closed doors. So something in my spirit told me this is wrong and, and to stop doing it. But at the same time, the confusion of wanting to be loved always conflicted. And I was always in an internal battle with um, wanting to have the love and the affection and the acceptance, but at the same time feeling like something was wrong. So sure. when I flew home, back to my home on Long Island, I remember just being at the airport and realizing that I wanted to go home. And if I wanted to go home to that environment of abuse and shame versus where I just left, that mon- once again, that, you know, obviously my, my worth was, was um, very small. So I flew back home. 
And I remember, you know, seeking relationships. I would seek out relationships with boys and um, trying to seek out that love, that, that acceptance that I, that I had with my uncle. And that became a, a major component in my life for my future. I, at 15 years old, I ran away from home with my first boyfriend who told me he loved me. He was abusive um, emotionally and sexually. And uh, when he finally told me he didn't want me to go to school anymore because he, had, he wanted control over me or he wouldn't love me, that was unacceptable to me. I had to have his love at all costs, so I ran away from home and I went to live with him. And that just was an example of the beginning of um, a long line of relationships with boys that would tell me they loved me, and at all costs I had to make sure they loved me, and I believed that sex was the way. Sure. And as part of that, you ended up pregnant. I did. I did. I was with um, a, a boyfriend who, actually, it's very strange that this particular person who later became my husband, he told me that I belonged in school and I shouldn't drop out and that I had um, worth and value. Um, and so he made me feel special and I fell in love with him in a way that I had never experienced love before. I was 17 years old and I'd gotten pregnant and we both decided that we were going to keep the baby and so we got married. So two weeks out of my graduation, two weeks out of high school, I married this man. Um, and the day I moved into his room, I had to clean out his room to make room for me. And uh, two 33-gallon trash bags full of, of sex, porn, paraphernalia, um, things wow. that were in his room. So, And, again, that didn't matter. He had me now because... Now how old um, was this man? He's 24. Okay. 24. So much older than I was. Here I am, 17, marrying a 24-year-old. But I'm um, very excited about, number one, getting out of my family home and creating as much distance as possible between that reality and my new reality. And I believed that I was in control and that I could change my circumstances. Well, and now you also had several um, abortions during this period. You used abortion as a birth control during this time frame. How many abortions did you have? Well, Donna, I did have two abortions, but that was after I was married with my husband. I was faithfully married to my husband for um, 10 years. Okay. Uh, eight years into the marriage, I just uh, realized the uh, the extent of his um, sex addiction, and the mm -hmm. pro pornography was such a big problem with drugs with him, and, and the internet was available. Um, when I was 21, I had my first son with him, and I uh -huh. believed that um, that we were going to be okay. But you know, a few years later, I turned on the computer one day, and there there were these images on the computer, and I just I call it my nervous breakdown. So I left, and I spiraled into various relationships with different men. And while I was with those different men, I did get pregnant. The first time I remember getting pregnant, the very first thought I had was, I am not going to be like my mother and have all of these different kids and be the white trash and the unworthy, um, unsuccessful person that I've decided I'm never going to be. And so it wasn't a baby, Donna. It was a problem, and I had to mm -hmm. terminate it, and that's what I did. And the second time I got pregnant, it was very similar circumstances. It wasn't with someone I was planning on spending any uh, time with. And so, again, um, it wasn't a baby. It was some, something I had to terminate. And you were, at that time, working to support you and your son. Um, you were working as a bartender, making good money, partying, using Coke. So, so it was a high time of um, hiding from the reality, right? It was. It was. I was. I was a bartender. Yes, and I was making. Um, I was supporting myself and my son. And yeah, you know, it was. It was. It was a big. It was a big party. And I was very popular. And I felt I was accepted. Sure. There, I'm just fascinated because in several weeks ago we had Lisa Kratz Thomas on, and your stories are so similar. She ended up on the streets of Washington as a prostitute to support herself, but her, your your 
your impressions of what happened and and how God just brought each of you to such a beautiful place are so similar and and I guess that's what I want to reinforce here is no matter what is happening in your life it is not the end of the story it is part of of maybe breaking us of of our our egos of of you know just breaking our spirits so that indeed we do turn and look to God and know that there is someone there who loves us unconditionally and that that love can never be taken away. Lisa, when you decided to change your life, you got involved with a program called Celebrate Recovery. Um, tell me a little bit about that program and your first experience of going into the program. I did. <clears throat> I did. And Donna, amen to that, that, that you know, uh, my, my story is just a, a dash in his story. And so I'm excited to share the Celebrate Recovery journey with you. Um, in 2005, I found a postcard in the mailbox from a church called Stafford Crossing Community Church asking me if I was uh, looking for something new. And I had had numerous conversations with God asking him, why don't you love me? Why do you love other people and not me? Um, I, there, there has to be more to life than this. I can't keep doing this. And so I went to a church service. Um, the pastor there was uh, gentle with me. However, even though I was angry, I had a score to settle, and um, I was in, uh, a woman scorned. So uh, they had this informational meeting for a program called Celebrate Recovery. Talked about you having hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and this program spoke directly to me. So I went. Really, I went because I wanted to know what was wrong with my mother. I wanted to help her. Um, <laughs> this program ministered to me in a way that was unbelievable. I remember my first meeting, Donna, just being able to share some of these secrets that I had burdened in my heart for so long, and, and I was welcomed, and nobody laughed at me. Nobody told me to leave, and I wanted more of that. I wanted to continue to unburden myself of these secrets. Um, so I would go each week to this meeting, and I would learn, number one, that God loved me, that I mattered to him, and that I was powerless to control my, my, own, um, my own destiny. I, I had to hand it over to him. And, you know, Lisa and you both, both Lisas, have used this statement that you're only as sick as your secrets. That's a powerful statement. It is when you have to hide things in your life and feel guilt and shame about them that, um, that you really lose your power, don't you? You do. You do. You, that's exactly, that's, you know, that's, the, the enemy wants to keep us um, in the darkness. He wants to keep us uh, with our secrets and feeling shameful. And I remember just being sick of being sick. I just was so sick of it, and I, I just got angry. I got angry. Instead of being angry at God, I became angry at um, the way I was living my life. I became angry at the idea that I had something to be ashamed of. Right. And so I grasped onto the truth of God's Word. I grabbed onto the, the eight principles of the Celebrate Recovery Program, and I worked out the 12 steps in this program. Well, I tell you what, I want to hear about that. I want to hear how you pulled out of the darkness into the light. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to learn more about Celebrate Recovery and the eight principles of hope. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. That's galore. Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver, Life is Good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. 
We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Zabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy Zabachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Hi, this is Deb Coletti, and I am your host of Life on Purpose, a radio show where I'll be having conversations with a wide range of fascinating women who are, in my opinion, leading a truly rich life. We will laugh, we will cry, we will sometimes get very serious. It will get edgy. It will definitely be irreverent and uh, no, no subject off limits. Tune in to hear where we go and even join in the conversation. Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on the Hear Women Talk Network. Hi, this is Michelle with LaBellamy Vineyard. You're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio and the Zeus Radio Network. Thank you so much for staying with us. This is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio, or Hear Women Talk. Today we're talking with Lisa Ramaker about how God took her from a life of, of despair and dysfunction into a place of healing and hope. Uh, we've spent the entire show talking about some of the circumstances that I have to admit would probably have made me had an emotional breakdown. And yet, um, you answered a flyer. It wasn't a personal invitation. It was a flyer to come to a church and hear about Celebrate Recovery. And you went hoping to find an answer to fix your mom, but found out that you needed the help, Lisa. And so I want to talk a little bit more about Celebrate Recovery. And actually, the pastor then targeted you that he was going to really work individually with you, didn't he? Yes, he did. I um, he he changed my outlook on on godly men. That's for sure. Um, he actually came to the bar where I worked, Donna, and came in and ordered French fries and lunch. And I remember how uh, just crazy it felt for me to have him enter my environment. It was okay for me to go to church and enter his environment, but here he was entering my environment, mm-hmm. and and that was life altering for me. So I later found out that during a staff meeting, he told his staff that they were going to go fishing for my soul and. Oh. Uh, it was incredible because he did, and he won the battle, and I am now um, a fully devoted follower of Christ. Well, you know, Celebrate Recovery is a national program for anyone who is battling any kind of issue that brings you pain. Um, I would encourage you to go to your website and pull up Celebrate Recovery. It is usually held in a non-denominational setting, um, and it deals with all sorts of issues. Lisa, tell me some of the breakout groups that are in Celebrate Recovery. 
Well, <clears throat> like you said, Celebrate Recovery is a national program, and anybody can go to uh, www.celebraterecovery.com, and they can find for locations nearing them. Most churches in every state, there's at least one or two in every town. Um, Celebrate Recovery covers every area of what we call hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That includes um, people who are chemically dependent. Most people think of a 12-step program and they think of addiction, but Celebrate Recovery goes even further than that. It actually, um, we discover when you work the eight principles and the 12 steps that um, whatever we're using, whether it's drugs, alcohol, if we're depressed, if we're going through a divorce, if we've been emotionally abused, physically abused, sexually abused, um, sex addiction, pornography, uh, money spending, gambling, food disorders, um, having a child who's struggling with an addiction, family members of of uh, people who are struggling with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And, you know, a big one for us women, codependency. Absolutely. Real big one. That was actually my first exposure to Celebrate Recovery. I went to a meeting to fix somebody that I loved um, to help them walk through um, a, a substance abuse issue. And when I walked in, they handed me a book on codependency, and it made me very angry. And I said, <laughs> I am not codependent. I am a very strong woman, and I do not let anybody walk over me. And, um, and they gently showed me that codependency is when you love so much that you allow yourself to lay down on the tracks to protect those you love. It isn't about letting somebody walk over you. It's that you don't create healthy spiritual boundaries um, emotionally or physically and therefore you have the problem more than the person who has the substance abuse. Mm -hmm. It was an (laughs) aha. It was an aha moment, yes, and that's what we say in Celebrate Recovery is come and keep coming. You know, you probably will be angry at first. You probably won't be comfortable with some of what you're learning about yourself, but keep coming so that you can experience that aha moment. And I always like to share with my people, uh, my, sponsor, my sponsees, do not quit before the miracle. Give, give God a chance to work. Yeah, and most of us want that quick fix. We want you to direct us to a resource that's going to fix it. You know, whether it is a book or a lesson plan or principles. But the key is really going deeper into your relationship with God one-on-one, getting into his word and letting him rebuild you from the inside out. That's exactly right, Donna. Celebrate Recovery, I like to um, call it an onion. As you peel back the layers, God will continue to reveal to you who you are, who he created you to be, and you'll work out those areas in your life that may be stumbling blocks to the uh, freedom and the hope that the Lord has in store for your life. And Lisa, now that was five years ago when you went into your first Celebrate Recovery program. Um, You now teach that program. So tell me about that. I do. I'm the ministry leader at our church um, for Celebrate Recovery. It's, it's, it's a burden that I carry with me. I feel like, Donna, that the Lord um, has placed me in an environment where I grew up in, an, in you know, an uncar- basically a, a hard childhood and, um, and grew me just so far, and then he plucked me out of that and said, okay, um, because of the grace I've given you, because of what you've been through, I want you to go out and I want you to share with people that I love them, that I have a plan for them. And, and show them what Celebrate Recovery has done for you. Use your story. Use it for my glory. And that's what I do. I do that at my church, Stafford Crossing, here in the Fredericksburg area. But there are numerous ministry leaders and churches all over the country that are just um, carrying this burden, wanting to make sure that all of the people in our congregations that are sitting there saying, I'm fine, I can handle this, um, they're just smiling. They're wearing masks, Donna, and it's heartbreaking. Um, if there's one place you should be able to be free to share your hurts, 
it should be in church. And so Celebrate Recovery is in, a ch- is, is in most churches, um, and that's why it's a safe place to go where you can work out. It is an anonymous place. It's confidential. Everything that you say there stays there. Um, but I have seen lives transformed beyond just my own story. It is an incredible place um, where you can find hope and healing. Well, that is what we try to do here on the Rivers of Faith show every Tuesday is bring a testimony of someone who has walked through difficult times and how their faith brought them to that place of wholeness again. And every week we try to bring a a different story in hopes that it will touch someone listening. Next week we have um, an interesting show. It's going to be on abortion. And I actually have a lady who is a Christian who ran an abortion clinic which is an interesting issue and uh, she's going to come on and talk about running the abortion clinic we have some people who have gone through abortions who are going to talk about their issues and and feelings on it so i hope you'll listen in next week and and uh, pray with us and and share your insights as you went through that yourself for people that have struggled with that decision um, before we close today, Lisa, I, I want to give you one final chance that if somebody is listening and they are feeling worthless, they are just feeling worthless and that they have done so much in their life that there's no way that they can be whole again, what would you recommend to them or to the people that love them on how to take that step out of bondage? Well, I would encourage that person and their family just to let that person know that um, that God loves them and that, number one, realize that you're not God and that you have value. You're powerless to control your tendency to do the wrong thing and that life is unmanageable. And once you accept that your life is unmanageable, the first step is I need help, accepting mm-hmm. that I need help. And, and many times the families need to realize that it's, it's not always them that's going to lead that person. That person needs to realize they need help. And so if you're struggling and you, you find yourself with a family member that you love that's struggling or if you're hurting, um, come to a meeting. Give God a chance to, um, to work those things out in your life that have caused you to feel so hopeless and so powerless. And allow God to rebuild your life from the ground up. And what about the person who's listening that says, I know I need help, but I don't want anybody to preach to me. I don't want to walk in somewhere and be asked to make a commitment or sign a pledge card. The concept of Celebrate Recovery being in a church could give some people that opinion. Talk to me about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. You do not need to be a Christ follower to um, come and find benefit at Celebrate Recovery. You will not be preached at. It's a non-judgmental environment. Um, we do not apologize that Jesus Christ is the healing power behind our program, but you won't be asked to sign up for anything. You won't be asked to pray and accept Christ. You'll find that there is a loving environment of people who are there to share their stories, what helped them, how they succeeded in life. And if at some point you do decide that you do want to know more about God, we're there for you. But it is a non-judgmental environment, no pressure. Um, it is in a church environment, but it's not churchy. And mm-hmm. there's nobody there with a Bible to thump you over the head with it. It is specifically there to show you that there is nothing that you can do that's going to separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that you have done that God can't forgive. 
I love it. Well, Lisa, as we get ready to close the show, I want to thank you so much for taking your story and sharing it. It really does make a difference. I know that there are many of us who are parents who watch our children out there going down the wrong road or getting lost in um, habits that are destructive. And um, it's always encouraging to hear people talk about how they found their way to wholeness again. And I so appreciate your boldness and your willingness to do this. I wish you continued success with Celebrate Recovery. I want to thank all the listeners this week for being patient with us as we struggle with this technology. I am so sorry. We will try to do better and make sure you get a whole show next week. And if you have suggestions for future guests for Rivers of Faith, I will ask you to please go to the website, Hear Women Talk. Join the membership there. It's one of the fastest growing in the country. Then go to Rivers of Faith group and please join. I promise you that I will contact you personally. I'd love your feedback on these shows and also your recommendations for possible future guests on the shows. And again, that's at the website at www.hearwomentalk.com. I want to encourage you to check out some of the other programs that are on Hear Women Talk. We have some fascinating programs in just about any area that you could be looking for help. And want to encourage you to help us spread the word on that. Again, Lisa, thank you to, for today. Um, I, I wish you the best. want to thank Hear Women Talk for allowing us to do this this morning. And for all of you listening, may the rivers of faith carry you gently through life today. Remember, it's going to be a great day. Don't let any of these technical difficulties take the joy away. God bless.